Welcome to Musicians vs. the World, the podcast where we explore aspects of music and musician life that may not have been covered in music school. I am your host, Christine Smith. Now, in our last episode, we spoke with composer Pat Irwin about his work on the score for Dexter New Blood. We talked about his composing process and how he created a sonic soundscape for that hit show. And a name that kept on coming up was the name of Patrick Duravez. It came up because I was gushing about the mix and how the mix really supported the music throughout that score and really enhanced and let us hear everything that was happening in that score. And then Pat actually said the following about Patrick. He's a real talent. I've worked with him since Rocco's Modern Life. He's done everything I've done. I can't imagine working on something without him. I couldn't do it without him. I wouldn't do it without him. And so I thought, well, we can't talk about Dexter Newblood without him. So I have asked him to come and speak with us about his side of making that score and to talk to us about mixing and producing and the other side of creating an album or a score. Patrick Derivaz composes, performs, records, mixes, and produces a wide range of innovative and cross-cultural styles of music. He has worked with artists such as Philip Glass, Erica Badu, A Tribe Called Quest, Jeff Buckley, Charles Mingus Band, among many others. He has taught and currently lectures at FIT and NYU and was the artistic director and vice president of Musicians for Harmony from 2002 to 2008. His work includes the design and creation of all sonic elements and music for the Audubon Society in New York, and the Creative Kids Museum in Calgary, Canada. He has served as front of house sound engineer in major U.S. clubs, the Barclays Center Stadium, and in outdoor festivals, including Summer Stage in Central Park. In addition, Patrick's compositions have been performed in the U.S. and France, receiving reviews in the New York Times, and he was a featured composer on WNYC Soundcheck. He has recently worked with Pat Irwin on the score of Dexter New Blood, which was the most streamed television show in history. So, Patrick, thank you so much for being here, and welcome to Musicians Versus the World. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Thanks. Like I said, when I was listening to the Dexter score, I heard your mix and the way you placed everything and how it just amplified Pat Irwin's composition in such a beautiful way. It just complemented each other so well. I just loved it. I think that takes so much talent. Why is it that you decided to become a mixing engineer and a producer and all of those things? I started in music when I was a, when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I started playing uh, rock and roll bands and um, blah blah blah. Listen to all <laughs> type of music, and then eventually uh, I went to the conservatoire and I studied uh, bass, uh, composition, uh, solfege, uh, harmonies, and also at that time we were studying in the conservatoire in France. We were studying electroacoustic music and music concrete, mm-hmm. so. That include recording, also mm-hmm. sounds, and uh, not just music, but sound in general, and trying to figure out a way to work with that. And that's, that is something that really, up to this day, really excites me and uh, interests me. During that time, I was working also as a DJ in a nightclub, and mm-hmm. I was uh, having people dancing on music from a disco 
to punk or to it was uh, like starting at that time to uh, soundtracks to jazz in a nightclub. I was having people dancing on all this type of music <laughs> because the way I was able to uh, to change them to uh, one into another. So that was kind of fun to have like people uh, like dancing on Tech Five, for example, from Deb <laughs> Grubeck to uh, uh, like a, like a, like a show like Manny's or Shaft. <laughs> And then to uh, God Save the Queen, and then to Saturday Night Fever. So it's just like, for me, like uh, kind of like mixing music styles and uh, uh, ideas uh, was always interesting. And it's just like a, after spending some time in London with that uh, punk movement, and I was I was living at that, at that time with my friend Henry Padovani, who was the first guitar player in the Police. So we mm-hmm. were together at that time. And then we were squatting, basically, in, uh, in London, which was a really fun time. There's so many uh, great bands that happened at that time, and the music was uh, so exciting. Mm-hmm. So that was my beginning in the, in the music and recording and things like that. And then I moved to New York. And after a while uh, in New York, just a little, little while, I just like a fun work in the recording studio also. A friend mm-hmm. of mine at the studio where uh, I was uh, uh, going as a musician to uh, to record my music, and then he uh, offered me a job as a as an assistant engineer first, and then eventually as a, a, a chief engineer in the studio. So I get to work with all different type of people, different type of music, and also at that time also with the beginning of hip hop with people like Tribe Called Quest or uh, yeah. uh, De La Soul and all those all those guys. So there was a also a different type of music and but a very interesting time in New York also. And yeah. I keep working also and working in the studio. I was uh, in contact with Philip Glass and all different composers like uh, Alvin Lucier in a more uh, world, uh, different type of music. So it's just like it's uh, all those connections with different style of music that, uh, that interest me. And uh, I keep going. I keep doing it. <laughs> And I try to combine always the uh, all the different styles and uh, different uh, influences of music in my uh, in my work. I, d- I don't want to be uh, uh, stuck in a, in a corner where, okay, Patrick is good as a mixing engineer or recorder for rock and roll music or for classical music or whatever. Right. I love all type of music, so I just like uh, that's what I want to do. I want to work with all different type of people different type of ideas. So is the recording and mixing process different for different genres of music? It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, you just like, you you can use the same equipment, the same type of uh, microphone quite often, mm-hmm. but it's, it is a different type, of, uh, different type of approach. Classical musicians will uh, try to avoid sound that are too manipulated. I mean, you cannot really EQ or... Uh, do like crazy panning or whatever with the right. classical music is just like okay it's just like you have the string quartet and it's just like it's a, that's the way it's organized sometimes mm-hmm. they switch the cello to the viola or whatever mm-hmm. but it's uh, usually it's just like you cannot like put the first violin on one side and the, 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 and then in the middle switch around like <laughs> to create the, no so as opposed to the to all dif- different type of music like rock and roll, you, if you go to see a band, you see a band on stage. It's a certain way. It may not be the same way in the recording because mm-hmm. you have different things. You have overdubs also. 
So you create different layers of sounds that you need to figure out how to, in, a, in your oral field, where you're going to position them in order to avoid uh, filtering of uh, certain frequencies or whatever, mm-hmm. and to create a more wider image. So mm-hmm. it's a different approach from uh, one type of music to another. Same thing with uh, hip hop. Mm-hmm. It's just that you're going you're gonna to use more like a sub f- uh, frequencies in hip hop that you will not use in uh, Definitely not in classical music, but uh, <laughs> to a certain extent in rock and roll also. Mm-hmm. Well, I think of like Philip Glass classical music. I, I mm-hmm. would imagine he was a little bit more experimental with things about placing different sounds in different areas, maybe. That, and also the, the fact that he's uh, always pretty much for the past uh, 30 years also is always using layers of music, meaning right. he has like the classical ensemble. Mm-hmm. And also synthesizer mm-hmm. playing the same, the same type of music. Mm-hmm. So you have like the violin, cello, uh, bass, and so on and so forth. But you also have the violin, cello, bass, and so forth played on the synthesizer. So mm. you create you create those layers, and they're quite interesting. It's quite it's quite fun to do that. It's just like, yeah. yeah, I bet it. I bet it is, and I bet it's mm-hmm. fun to be. I'm just thinking of working with a tribe called Quest to be on that front line of a whole new genre of hip hop. And that must've been really exciting for you to be right there. Yeah, it's fun. It was really <laughs> fun because it's just like you had those people creating a, a new sound, a new, a new approach to music. And uh, I really respect those people. And I, I was lucky enough to, throughout my life to, to be working with people that are really honest in, in what they're doing. It's just yeah. like they're not pretending to be something they just like uh, that's what they did. They were born to do. That's that's where they are, and mm-hmm. so they just like that's their job. They're doing their job, so it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and then your job is it takes an incredible amount of talent and just your ear being trained to listen for certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you develop that? Age, <laughs> <laughs> practice, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> No, you, I mean, it's, it's like a, when you start to learn, like my main instrument is the bass, uh-huh. but it's even harder on the violin or on the cello, depending on how much pressure you put on the string, you're going to change the pitch. If you, if you slightly move your, your, your finger, you're going to be a quarter of a ton up or down or a half a ton up or down. <laughs> so it's just like, you just like to, to train your ear. Same thing with uh, with frequencies and panning, and uh, the depth that you can create with that. It's just like mm-hmm. a question of uh, error and trial. You just mm-hmm. like step by step you learn it, mm-hmm. and eventually it kind of like becomes a second nature, and you just like you, you can make decision faster. Mm-hmm. So, what is the difference between a producer and a mixing engineer? Those are pretty much. Now they're pretty much the, the, the same thing. But the, mm. the, the engineer, the mixing engineer, recording engineer is more on the technical side of the, the, the window. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the producer is more generally more of a charge of the overall project, meaning the, the, the way songs are going to, to be uh, orchestrated or arranged, the way they, they're going to be uh, put together on an album or compilation or whatever. But... Quite often, the, the two roles intermingle. Yeah. So it's uh, very difficult to say, I'm the engineer, he's the producer, or mm-hmm. 
she's the engineer, I'm the producer, and so on. So it's just like quite often it, it works different way. Mm -hmm. It used to be that uh, you, you had like real separation between uh, the engineer and the producer. The producer, uh, let's say with people like uh, Arif Mardin and all those guys, they were, uh, or Quincy Jones, they were really like coming into the session. They had like the musician selected and so on and so forth. And then they will be able to, to write the music that they need to play or if they hear something that didn't work in the arrangement or the orchestration, they will on the spot write different type of uh, music for different parts of uh, for different instruments. Mm. So that's that has changed, but it's it's still a it's still kind of like that also because it's just like with uh, creating beats and uh, uh, samples, mm -hmm. you can you can get it to the same uh, pretty much the same type of uh, ideas. Just to explain, I don't know if many musicians really understand the importance of a good mix and how much that helps and how creative it is. So can you kind of explain what makes a really good mix? It, it's, it's quite subjective also. Because okay. it, it, depending on the, the type of music, it's just like you want, you want things to be distorted or uh, ugly. <laughs> like for, for classical music you, you're striving to a, to a purity of sound mm -hmm. and uh, the the placement like I, like I was saying before the placement like the orchestration is just like okay you have the first violin there and so on mm -hmm. it goes like this so as an engineer and mixer you need to keep that in mind so if you're working with classical music you have to respect the way people are playing on stage mm -hmm. so that's one one thing, but then you need also to treat the instruments as natural as possible, mm -hmm. getting like the, the right position for the microphone, not to hear too much of a bow, too much of the rosin on the strings, and so on. So all this is one thing that's specific for one type of music. Then you go into the rock and roll, and then mm -hmm. you have more distortion, louder, and <laughs> so you adapt to this type, of, uh, this type of music also and get to uh, what people, uh, the artist, envision the music to be and should be. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Dexter. What was the vision for that? When uh, we had some meeting first before actually starting to, uh, to really record and uh, mix for, the, for Dexter and uh, the show from... The previous seasons is quite different. I mean, it's just like from uh, Miami, mm -hmm. sunny, and uh, moving upstate New York, where it's called. And it is called in New York at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so it needed it needed to be getting that cold feeling, and also uh, the music needed to be more felt than heard. Yeah. So my challenge was to find a way to uh, get what Pat was giving me and to, uh, to create that uh, darker feeling. Pat had it also on, on his, uh, the way he, uh, he, he composed the music, but the final mix was really the, the place where you can feel all those uh, sub-frequencies and the, the, the panning and the, the moving, creating that kind of like, where is that going? Kind of like 
it's scary there. <laughs> it's just like, I, I, I don't I don't find a stable place there where I can stay. It's just like, wow. So basically that, that's what it was. It's just like Pat was giving me his work mixes that were approved by the network. Mm-hmm. And then it was up to me to then create the depth and the, the movement, the, the positioning of things in uh, in regard to the to the visual and to the dialogue and the uh, sound effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. So when you talk about depth in a mix, what do you mean by that? It's the way you have things with level panning being mm-hmm. in front of you or a little further back or sideways, and creating with like panning, auto pan or manual panning, where mm-hmm. you have things moving around. For example, there is a quite often there is a, like a, a a feedback on the on the guitar mm-hmm. that was uh, quite often specific to a, to a, some of the image of a, a Dexter in, in in the film that started in one place and that moved around to the other side slightly mm-hmm. as we go, as we go along on the cue. So it's just like you you create different movement there, and uh, by level but with the levels also some some of the EQs you can create the the depth between the mm-hmm. instruments. Yeah. And so for people who don't know, the EQ is the different frequencies, um, some of the lower frequencies and some of the higher frequencies and adjusting them. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's like uh, you EQ the frequencies, meaning like you you change, add or cut some of the low frequency, the mid frequency, the high frequency. And and you create you create the room also for the for the dialogues and the sound effects, which is the most important things right. when you're watching a TV show or film. <laughs> right. Although I do like to listen to the music when I'm watching. I'll... <laughs> I, I do, well, but it, it's uh, it's just like it. The the music is really uh, complementary right. to the. It, it it creates another layer of uh, emotions mm-hmm. and uh, feelings when it's uh, properly done. It works really great, adding to the uh, to the overall experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's too loud, and it's, it's just like for me. Sometimes it's just like. A, I just turn off the TV or the, I get out of the film because the music is too loud and it's disturbing. Mm. It's, it shouldn't be. Yeah, it takes away from it rather than adding to it. Exactly. Yeah. So did you have a copy of the film when you were mixing that you could follow? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had, a, we had films and sometimes we had like a, to go back and redo some of the work we've done because it's just like they change a cut. Mm-hmm. We had to, to work with that. But... The way it works is Pat or whoever I'm working with give me the uh, the network approved cues. So I have that on my computer with the dialogues and the sound effects and the music from the from the composer. Mm-hmm. So I listen to the music from the composer, see what I, what is his or her vision is for that that particular piece of music, create a mix that I think do justice to what the composer is looking for. Then I put the dialogues and the sound effects and change whatever positioning uh, that I had done previously in order to accommodate priority for the dialogues and the sound effects. Mm. I didn't realize that you had you had changed some of the, you know, the panning where you move it yeah. with the sound from one side to the other. I didn't realize that, that you did that to match the the visual. 
So now you did the mix for the TV show, Dexter, but there's also the album, which I know that there were Mm -hmm. some cues in there that were not in the show. Did you do a different mix for the two? They're basically the same. It's like, like, because like I was telling you, my process is just like I try to work with the music being as best as it could as a piece of music and then adapt to uh, to the show. For the uh, for the uh, uh, album soundtrack, I took the uh, mixes from the TV show mm-hmm. and then work on that without any visual or dialogues or sound effects, and mm-hmm. see what I can change slightly to make it work as a piece of music only. Mm-hmm. Trying to respect as much as possible the the panning and uh, the movement that I create on the show also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember there's this one, there's this one, I guess, instrument, there's this one sound that seems to pan and move the same way every time it comes mm-hmm. up in different tracks. Um, yeah. Well, now that now that you say your process, I'm wondering if it's because there was like an element in the show that kept recurring there. But, but in the album itself, I thought that it created a huge cohesion between the tracks which really made the album seem like a complete work of art as well so did you think about that in there or was that mainly because of the of the video no that's i mean if you listen to the first two episodes of uh, Mm -hmm. dexter it's just like you get you get a sense of where each uh, instruments Mm -hmm. each sound should be Mm -hmm. uh, in the field so from there all the other tracks, all the other episodes were treated with that in mind. Mm, it changes okay. slightly. It varies a little bit from one to another. Like I say, it's just like when that guitar can move from uh, from from one side to slightly to the other or opposite or whatever, depending on the visual. Mm-hmm. But then when I when I worked on the uh, soundtrack album, then I had a little more freedom. It's just like no, it it doesn't have to be stuck in that corner. For that mm-hmm. time, it's just like it can move slightly, depending of what's happening around it. Also, so yeah. So you've been working with Pat Irwin for years. How did you two get together? Uh, we worked together, I guess, I believe, twenty-five, thirty years ago. We started mm-hmm. working together. That was on uh, Rocco's Modern Life. Uh-huh. That was a fantastic, fantastic cartoon. <laughs> at that time, it was just like insane because we had a lot of music. Pat is a very prolific composer also. And uh, sometimes uh, people take advantage of that and have him do more music than necessary. But we had like a lot of music to record. And at that time, everything was done live with musicians in the studio. And one day, we had to record all the music in one day, mixing it the same day and make it to FedEx last call to send the, the, the mixes to the to the network. In one day? In one day. <laughs> Did you do it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a lot of talent in everybody involved in that. Oh, yeah. you could do no, that. we I mean the, the the group of musicians that we had was fantastic. And they are still fantastic. They're still those guys are still playing around. And but like starting like nine o'clock in the morning uh-huh. till but Eight on, uh, I forgot what what the last time for pickup for FedEx was, but it was just like incredible. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. Makes you grateful for the internet. 
<laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I mean, at that time we, we were we were not working on computer. We were working. The computer was just like also starting at that time. We were working with edats. Oh really? Yeah, those eight tracks uh, video cassettes. Yeah. We had like I think three of them chained together, and we were mixing to that really? after that. Wow. Do you enjoy mixing now better in the digital age or do you like the analog? Oh, yeah. No, I I mean, I'm not nostalgic about analog. It's just like it does sound different to a certain extent than uh, than digital, but it's it's just uh, doesn't matter. It's how you use it. And if you know how to use equipment, then it doesn't matter if it's analog or digital. If you have like a $10,000 microphone or $100 microphone, if you know how to use it, you should be able to get good sounds mm-hmm. and that comes from practice exactly and not being and not being stuck also just like like i say it's just like yeah like a four thousand or ten thousand dollars microphone can be good but it may not be appropriate for everything right so it can be great on a whatever let's say like a violin or a cello it can sound fantastic and you put it in front of an, an electric guitar it's not going to work and you put it in front of a rap singer it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So just like knowing your uh, your equipment and uh, what the equipment can do also, that's very important. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's true. And I know that Pat trusts you implicitly with his music. How did the two of you work together? What's your process as you work together on these different projects? It's usually the, pretty much the, the same thing. I mean, we, we get together before starting uh, like, a, like a show or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gave me some uh, some ideas, show me some 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 stuff that he recorded, and I said, "Well, that, that can be cool. That's uh, that's, uh, that's a little less cool, whatever." Mm-hmm. And uh, then it goes into the to the network. The network say, "Okay, we like that. We don't like this." But well, he works on uh, on his end to uh, to do what uh, what's needed from the network, and then he sent me his mix, his work mix. Mm-hmm. And it's up to me then to, uh, I guess after this year we we can trust each other. He trusts <laughs> me to take <laughs> it to the to the next level. So it's just like uh, up to me to, uh, like I say, it's just like okay, move things here and there, EQ some certain things because of the dialogues or the sound effects, mm-hmm. raise the level, this, uh, lower the level. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's uh, that's the way to to mix stuff, and yeah. then adding some uh, some uh, special effects, uh, depending of the, the the cue that's needed. Some like uh, like I say uh, on Dexter, I use a lot of uh, not a lot, but a quite a quite a bunch of uh, low frequencies. That's just like you cannot really really hear it, but you can feel that. You can feel it. Yeah. yeah. So just like uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's the interesting part of that uh, particular show. It's just like. It's just like you had, you had like that gut feeling, like oh, something's gonna happen, <laughs> and you don't really see it or hear it, but your body feels it. It's like that's the that's one thing also that you that you learn. Maybe not especially with a in the music field, but certain area of your body works with certain frequencies. Mm. So you just like you 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 learn. Okay, you want to create certain feelings. You you will use certain instruments or certain frequency to trigger different area in your body. Also, like you have like a line, for example, on the cello, that's gonna 
it's going to be in a certain frequencies. Mm-hmm. It's going to talk to your heart yeah. more than uh, more than your brain. You play the same line on a flute or on a, on a violin, but it's going to be a different register, and it's going to trigger certain reaction in your brain instead of your heart. Yeah. Oh, that's true. So you you work you learn to to work with that. For me, as a composer and uh, and mixer and engineer, I, I learned how to work with this uh, this uh, different frequency, different emotion, and different way the body reacts. Yeah. Well, where did you learn about all of that? Just from trial and error as you're composing? That and also you you read about all different uh, subjects in life. Also, oh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like it has to do also since we're there. It has to do like with the with the chakras that you have in your body. That reacts to the to certain frequencies. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you learn to use those things. Yeah. Well, I was actually going to ask you about your composing because you are you're an accomplished composer as well. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you enjoy composing? Do you have a certain genre or a certain style that you like writing? No. Not especially, just like I say, it's just like it's for me, it's like a music in general. It's just like I don't want to be stuck in one corner, yeah. So it's just like whatever I'm happy to work with a, with a commercial for a planters or whatever, or Miller, <laughs> Miller beer, or and I can work in a, some kind of like a more a, a esoteric type of a documentary or movie, whatever it's just mm-hmm. it's. As long as I'm uh, interested in a in a subject, I can contribute to make it something better for that particular uh, thing. Then I'll go for it. Mm-hmm. When you are composing, do you do your own mixing, or do you collaborate and hire someone else? No, I do. I do. I do my mixing also. Yeah, I can imagine that'd be hard to trust somebody else. No, no, no. Just, no. Okay. okay, it's because it's it's always kind of. Uh, fascinating to see what people also can come up with it's mm-hmm. just like oh i never think about that that'd, that'd be, that'd be a, yeah that's a good idea it it opens new doors and it's just like okay next time i try different things so. yeah i guess it's kind of like watching a chess game versus playing in the chess game when you're like the one in it you don't see some things that maybe someone exactly. outside yeah yeah and that's why it's just like when you're mixing, uh, the recording process is different, but when you're mixing, it's just like, okay, you start to mix the music without listening to the dialogues or the sound effects right. and getting an, uh, an ID feedback from the visual that's happening at, uh, at that cue. So you start to mix the music in order to make it as good as you think it should be. Mm-hmm. But then you step back, and you listen with the dialogues and the sound effects that change everything. Not everything, but it's just like you need to readjust them. Then you need to take a step back, a minute break or two minute breaks, and then you come back and you listen again. And you say, oh no, that sucks. <laughs> just like I need to change that. And uh, no, 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 that needs to be a little, a little further back because I cannot hear the voice there, or it's just like the frequencies are just clashing with the voice. So it's just mm-hmm. like you, you need to have like a little room where you can just like step back and kind of clear your your ears come back and listen to it again mm-hmm. it's yeah. a, always a, always a process and it's a discipline that sometimes you it's difficult to uh to have because it's just like 
I need it to, I need it now. <laughs> I need it yesterday. It's just like, especially with a, with like a TV shows, it's just like sometimes the, the schedule is insane. Yeah. Like I was mentioning for like, uh, like Roper's Modern Life. Mm-hmm. So it's like very, uh, very demanding. What should musicians know as they come to you and they want to record something with something that they don't usually think about, but would really be helpful to create the best product for them? I'm, I'm kind of fortunate because I usually work with a very uh, high caliber type of musicians. Mm-hmm. But uh, quite often, beginner musicians will go into a studio and uh, have a rough idea of what they want to do. They rehearse a little bit, maybe, and they're expecting magic to happen. (laughs) No, that doesn't work like that. You have to to have a a discipline and just like, as a recording engineer or mixing engineer, if you're serious about what you're doing, you're going to try to, to get the best product possible, the best thing you can for what the person is bringing to you. Mm. But if you have something that's terrible to start with, it's it's not going to work. So it's just like, uh, people can uh, cannot really expect to have like a, a platinum uh, record if they not, don't put the work into it. Mm-hmm. Every every good engineer, mixer, producer will do their best for the clients, definitely. Mm-hmm. But the client has to do the best for himself also and get get ready before going into the studio. And that's that's include like also learning the process of recording. And I mean, I have so many experience where the people come into the studio with no experience, mm-hmm. and then they put the headphones on and they sing into a good quality microphone, and it's just like they freeze because they can hear everything every little detail the the saliva in their their mouth uh-huh. the noise that can be going around their the, the chair <laughs> and they're just like stop that's it and they cannot do anything else so it's just like you have to learn it's a learning it's a, again it's a learning process also you have to learn how to be, to be in a studio mm-hmm. it's completely different than being on stage mm-hmm. on stage you're there you're performing mistake it passes and it's done in the studio you have to go back and fix that because it's going to be recorded and it's going to be heard vitam eternam after that mm-hmm. but I, I do i do believe that people that are uh, recording mixing and producing for other people are basically very honest people and they try to do their best for their uh, for the musicians for for the artists Mm-hmm. for the product that they work on. On the, on the engineer side, if I hear something that's distorted or not right for a, for a reason or whatever, as a composer also, because it's the modulation is not right or whatever, it's just like I will tell that person. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they're serious about what they're doing, they're going to listen to it and they say, yeah, you're right. Or you're right, but it's something that I want to do. Because mm. sometimes distortion or uh, like you're playing a, you're playing a second against a, another note, sometimes it's just like not right, but it's just like, 
it can be right also. Right. So you just have to, to, to explain to explain the, your uh, your process and your uh, your ideas and exchange it and see uh, see what comes up. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. So I think working with a good engineer and trusting them and mm-hmm. coming really prepared. Those are all excellent excellent things that all musicians should know, regardless of genre, because the better prepared you are as a musician, the better product you're going to get. Exactly. I mean, it's, again, for the, for recording, it's a, it's a different process than performing. Yeah. It's totally different. The, the performance is just like you have the audience. The audience is uh, reacting. It's mm-hmm. feeding you mm-hmm. there. And you're, you're, you're having the exchange with the audience on a recording. Hey, you have the exchange with yourself there. <laughs> and it can be tough. It can be really tough. So as long as you're you're well prepared, well rehearsed, then you're in good shape. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have just so enjoyed talking with you and learning about <laughs> you and learning from you. Um, what last piece of advice do you have for musicians that either want to be engineers or just musicians in general? What sort of advice do you have for for them? For me, it's just like listen to music, a lot of music, different music, not just one specific type of music. Mm-hmm. It's just like I love classical music. I was trained also in classical music, but at the same time, rock and roll is fine. Mm-hmm. Hip hop is great also. Mm-hmm. World music is fantastic. I mean, it's one day I was recording a, a Chinese musician. And he was playing some weird instruments and he was just like, wow, it's fantastic. It's just like never seen something like that. And then suddenly out of nowhere, he take a little piece of uh, uh, paper, like a candy wrap and start playing music with that. And it was just like, that's it. <laughs> that's <laughs> I mean, awesome. it's, it's just like you have to accept. And it's uh, the, the same thing with, uh, with electroacoustic music or right. music concrete. It's just like, you have to learn that sound is the, the ID. It's mm-hmm. not just notes. It's just the sound that you have mm-hmm. to work with. And the silence also. The silence is very important also. The mm-hmm. way you integrate the sound and the silence. Melodies and so on and rhythm also. Yeah. But listen to a lot of different type of music. That's uh, I would suggest. That's fabulous. Wonderful advice. Thank you so much. All right. Well, Patrick Derbez, thank you so much for being here. I just so appreciate you being so gracious to to come and teach us today. It was a pleasure. Really. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the Musicians vs. the World podcast. In our discussion with musician, producer, engineer, and composer Patrick Derivaz about the art of mixing and producing, his career, and his work on the series Dexter New Blood. Throughout this episode, you've heard excerpts from Patrick's composition entitled Birds from the album The Walk, featuring music for violin and bass. You can find out more about Patrick on his website, patrickderevez.com. I will have links to his website, the album, The Walk, and the Dexter New Blood score in our show notes on our website, frostedlens.com slash musicians versus the world.
If you know of anyone that may be interested in today's conversation, please share this episode with them. And if you have a minute, please leave us a nice review wherever you listen to podcasts so that others can find us as well. And if you're more of a visual person and want to see our faces, you can watch the video of this interview on our Musicians vs. the World YouTube channel. Musicians vs. the World is a production of Frosted Lens Entertainment in conjunction with Smith Sound Music. It is hosted and edited by me, Christine Smith, and our producer today is Russ Wilkes. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any future conversations. And if you have any questions for us, topics you'd like to hear about, or any helpful advice for other musicians that you'd like to share, be sure to reach out to us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or send us an email at info at Thanks so much, and have a great day. <laughs>